children come Don't dare drive them away And then the kingdom comes Hear the holy foolish things they say The springtime of their life decides The adults they'll become So let the children come Please let the children come Welcome to Children's Bible Journey with stories and songs just for kids. We have a dramatized Bible story coming up, but let's get today's program started by singing praises to our awesome God.
hopeless it seems But know there are questions that have no answers Except for the answers you dream singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound. Long live King Merodach Baladan. Your request for an audience stated that you have a very important discovery to report. So I have, Your Majesty. Proceed. There are men in your realm who study heavenly bodies and the environment of air and earth in which we live, O King. Yes, we yes, have... I know you are called wise men, but go on. Now, this very day, Your Esteemed Majesty, we wise men noticed an unusual phenomena, an impossible one, yet it did happen. But we know not how it happened or why. The sun, your majesty, went backward. Backward, mind you, for ten degrees. The sun went in that direction? For ten degrees, your majesty. Suddenly the shadows on sundials and elsewhere went backward. Do you have any idea why or how it happened? None, your majesty, unless... Unless for some reason a god of the sun caused it to happen. Could it have been our sun god? Uh, this we doubt, your majesty. 
Majesty. Mm, you say you came to seek my advice. How can I possibly help in this matter? Oh, great and mighty King of Babylon, we wise men cannot rest until we have discovered how and why this impossible phenomena happened. We seek his esteemed majesty's permission to send messengers to all parts of the world to inquire into the matter. Perhaps someone somewhere can give us an answer. Mm, permission granted. Uh, let me know the instant you have an answer. <laughs> You say that the god of King Hezekiah of Judah caused the sun to move backwards? Yes, your majesty. But he isn't even a god of the sun. Hezekiah and his people claim their god to be the god of creation, with power to control everything, the sun, moon, stars, and the earth. Hmm. Are you a believer in this? Uh, we wise men can find no reason to doubt it, your majesty. Hmm. Would that our sun god, any of our gods, Gods had such power. Perhaps that is possible, Your Majesty. You think so? We could rule the world with such power at our disposal. You are sure whereof you speak? Oh, certainly, Your Majesty. Uh, it's at least worth a try. Yes, yes. All right, all right. Tell me. Tell me what must be done, and so shall it be. Send ambassadors to Hezekiah, Your Majesty. Wise and experienced ambassadors. Priests with knowledge of gods, officers acquainted with the ways of royalty, wise men who have studied heavenly bodies, princes. Together they will acquire full knowledge of this powerful god of creation and bring back a report from Israel as to how Babylon can make their god our god. An excellent procedure. Couldn't be better. It shall be done at once. I'll send a letter of introduction, and... Do you realize, wise man, that you have not yet made known unto me why this god of creation caused the sun to go backwards? It came about in this manner. King Hezekiah was sick unto death, and his god gave a sign. I am indeed honored that your great king sent such a distinguished delegation to congratulate my recovery and the manner in which the God of Israel brought it about. Eliakim, assign these men to the best guest rooms in the palace. Immediately, Your Majesty. If the great king of Judah will do us the honor, we should like to hear about your successful reign and the wonders of your God. It will be my pleasure. In the morning, after you and your men have refreshed yourselves and rested from your long journey. <laughs> Long live Hezekiah, king of Judah. Good morning, wise men, princes of Babylon. You're ready then, I assume, for a tour of Jerusalem. Yeah, indeed we are, your majesty. I shall personally conduct the tour, taking along my scribe, recorded the captain of my household, to supply the details. This is my personal warehouse of precious jewels, silver, gold. Also, over there in that space are spices, costly appointments. Thou hast great wealth, Hezekiah. Oh, there's been none wealthier since Solomon. <laughs> Fact is, I have prosperity beyond all the kings, and... And this, gentlemen, is the special house for my personal armor. Yeah, it's worth a king's ransom. His majesty attributes his great wealth and success to anything in particular? Uh, perhaps his, uh, his god? Hard work. Planning, attention to detail, ceaseless effort. All these things and more are necessary to amass such a vast. 
I planned and built these walls. Walls that no army can penetrate. And, uh, oh, this too is my handiwork. A long tunnel from the spring Gaian. But these are but a small part of the hundreds, yet thousands of sheep pens I've built. Long live his esteemed majesty. Back so soon from Jerusalem? Did you learn about their all-powerful God and how we, too, may become his subjects? We learn not a thing, your majesty. Hezekiah was so busy bragging about himself and his works and showing off his wealth that he had no time nor desire to tell us about his God. Mm, perhaps it is just as well. From the first, I have doubted that there is any God powerful enough to turn back the sun. Now I know of an assurance there isn't. We will continue to worship and trust in our own gods. Meanwhile, back in Jerusalem, Isaiah the prophet appeared before Hezekiah. O king, hear the words of the Lord. Because thou didst not show the ambassadors the might and wonders of the God of thy fathers, behold, the day cometh that all that is in thy house shall be carried into Babylon. Nothing shall be left, and thy sons shall Babylon carry away, and they shall be servants in the palace of the king of Babylon. Not to glorify God did I do this, but to exalt myself. Pride and vanity took possession of me. Self-exaltation was my undoing. Good and just is the Lord's pronouncement against me. continue the Bible story tomorrow. And if you would like to have these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye.
in the beginning, the earth was empty. Darkness covered everything. But God was there, and he had a plan. Carlos, that's easy for you to say. You didn't just get clobbered by Vernon, the biggest bully on the soccer team. He does remind me of a dump truck. Yeah, well, that dump truck just knocked me flat when the ref wasn't looking. I ought to... You ought to what? He's bigger and stronger than you. You could punch him all day long, and he just keeps eating. Face it, you're David, and he's the giant. Great, where's my sling? Carlos, I have an idea. Why don't we pray instead? Pray? Now? I'm too mad. Exactly. Didn't our teacher in Bible class tell us that praying is a good thing to do, even when we're mad? Our Bible teacher never met Vernon. Well, maybe not, but I'm sure he's run into some pretty mean people. We don't see him going around punching everybody out. So, how's praying going to help? I don't know. It's a lot safer. Besides, God can do stuff we can't. Let him deal with Vernon. Yeah, right. He'll probably try to love him and change him into a good person. And that's a bad thing? 
Okay, that's a good thing. I'll let God handle Vernon. But if that bully ever gets all kind and loving and tries to hug me, I'm out of here. <laughs> you never know. God can do some pretty amazing things, I hear. Look, there he goes again, knocking down more fourth graders. Looks like God's got his work cut out for him. I think he's up to it. Besides, praying is more fun than getting clobbered by a bully. Jesus wants to be our friend. He's interested in everything we do and longs to be included in our lives. He has placed in our hearts a desire to share our deepest secrets and brightest hopes with Him. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. and girls. This is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Chapter 9, Rescue. It's a funny thing about darkness, Didi thought. When it's really dark, your eyes slowly get better and better at seeing with very little light. Right now, I am very glad that the moon is shining in through the attic window like a pale yellow flashlight beam. Didi stood still for a long time after she broke her flashlight. First, it was because she was too scared to move. The darkness made the little noises around her more frightening. Every creak, squeak, or scratch made her wonder what or who had made it. After a few minutes, her heart stopped racing, and she was able to think more clearly. As her eyes adjusted to the darkness, she saw something that made her want to kick herself. In the very center of the room was a ladder. The ladder was folded up into three sections. She had missed it before. As Didi looked at it, she realized that the ladder was attached to a trap door. All I have to do, she decided, is push the trap door down and the ladder will unfold. Didi was tired of the attic. I need to rescue Jenny in the basement, she announced out loud. She walked over to the folded ladder and trap door and pushed down on it. Nothing happened. She looked at the trap door in the pale moonlight. Why won't it go down? She couldn't see any reason why it wouldn't. Maybe it just takes more weight to push it open, she thought out loud. She carefully stepped on the edge of the trap door. It still refused to move. She put both feet on it. Nothing. She hopped up and down. Why won't this trap door open? She looked around the attic. If I could find something else to stack up here, that might make it heavy enough to push open. She snapped her fingers. Captain Morgan's chest. If I drag it over here and set it on the trap door, maybe it will add enough weight to open the trap door. She crept through the dark and grabbed the heavy chest by a leather strap that still hung from one side. She pulled. The chest moved a little toward her. She pulled again. It slid a little farther. She grabbed the leather handle with both hands and pulled. The strap came off in her hands and she fell backward. This trunk is not going to get the better of me, she said out loud. She stepped behind the chest and gave it a shove toward the trap door. Captain Morgan was a tough person, and so am I. I am getting out of here. Ten sweating minutes later, Dee Dee lifted the edge of the chest onto the trap door. She gave it a push until the heavy trunk sat on top of the folded ladder. She paused. It's not opening, Dee Dee muttered. What is wrong with this door? Then Dee Dee noticed the metal latch that held the trap door shut. What's wrong with me, she asked out loud. Then she reached down and slid the brass latch to one side. Boom! The trap door swung down, the ladder folded out, and Captain Morgan's trunk fell eight feet to the floor below. The noise was as loud as a thunderstorm. Yes, Dee Dee said. I opened it. 
"'What in the world is going on here?' a voice asked from the floor below her. Dee Dee looked down to see her mother wrapped in her robe staring up at her. Now that she wasn't scared anymore, Jenny was getting bored. For all I know, Dee Dee went back to bed and everyone else is still asleep. Then she heard a noise behind her. Keys jingled outside the double doors at the top of the stairs. Then one key was inserted into the padlock and it clicked open. A blast of cold air came in as the double doors pulled back. Dee Dee! Mrs. Adams! Am I glad to see you! Jenny ran up the stairs toward her two rescuers. What happened to you, Mrs. Adams said. Just look at you, Dee Dee. Is this some sort of joke or something? Jenny stopped where she was, halfway up the stairs. It hadn't occurred to her to think about how she looked. She looked at her hands and then at the rest of her body. Black. Everything on her was black. As she looked down at her feet, a fine shower of coal dust fell from her hair to the floor. Dee Dee started to laugh. If I didn't know who you were, I wouldn't know who you were, she said. Jenny laughed too. Are you all right? Mrs. Adams finally asked. She stepped down and pulled a tissue out of her robe pocket. She brushed Jenny's face with it. Jenny immediately realized that her face was covered with black coal dust. Ugh, she said, as Mrs. Adams kept wiping her face. Did you find anything up there? She asked Dee Dee. Dee Dee grinned in response, reached into her pocket, and pulled out something. She handed Jenny's new watch to her. Now I know why you don't like rats, Dee Dee said. Jenny's mouth fell open. A rat had my watch? It must have been a pack rat, Mrs. Adams said. They collect things, especially shiny things. Could that rat have stolen the family treasure? The Bible, I mean, Dee Dee asked. No, the Bible would have been too heavy and too large, Mrs. Adams said. It possibly could have taken a page or two at a time or chewed it to pieces. We weren't away long enough for it to have chewed the Bible up or stolen it a page at a time, Dee Dee said. I think I know where the Bible is, Jenny said, but first I want to introduce you two to someone. She took the tissue and wiped her hands with it as she walked down the stairs. Dee Dee and Mrs. Adams followed her across the concrete floor to the corner where the boards had been torn away. Dee Dee, Mrs. Adams, meet Henry. Jenny held the boards back so Dee Dee and her mom could see the black antique car that stood behind the board curtain. It's a Model T Ford, Mrs. Adams said in surprise. Girls, this was one of the first automobiles made in this country. She looked back at the old car. This thing is ancient. Mrs. Adams looked at Jenny. But how did you know this car was called Henry? Jenny pointed to dust that had collected on the hood of the car. The word Henry had been traced in the dust by someone's finger. I think someone, probably Grandma, wrote his name on him a long time ago, Dee Dee said. So this is Henry, Mrs. Adams said. I wish we could talk to Grandma about him, Dee Dee said. Well, why don't you, Mrs. Adams said. What? Dee Dee and Jenny asked. Is she all right? She's feeling fine, and she's awake upstairs, Mrs. Adams said. She's asked to talk to you. The story you have heard today is a chapter of The Shoebox Kids, Book 7, The Clue in the Secret Passage, written by Glenn Robinson, edited and created by Jerry D. Thomas, and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let the children come. Don't dare drive them away. And then the kingdom comes. 
Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Lifetalk Radio at lifetalk.net.